Welcome to Next Steps, a podcast from Blackhawk Church in Madison, Wisconsin, where together we'll take next steps to grow in our relationship with Christ, to be formed into the kind of people He's created us to be, and to better love and serve those around us. Let's jump in. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Next Steps podcast at Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris Kopp. I'm one of the pastors here. And with me is my trusty co-host, Tiffany Malloy, our pastor of spiritual formation. How are you doing, Tiffany? Good. Great to be here, Chris. Awesome. Well, if I'm talking fast, that's because we have a lot of questions we're going to get to this, this week in this episode. Um, thank you for sending those in. We're going to do something a little bit different and just answer all of the different questions that were sent in um, following up on Matt's talk on marriage this this past weekend. So good job, Matt. You covered a, just a, or, you know, like a small topic and covered a cover of the Bible in 30 minutes. That's right. So, Genesis yeah. to Revelation, marriage in 30 minutes. And honestly, I have to say, I'm just a little bit offended that there were any questions <laughs> because I figured I had cleared everybody's, yeah. you know, slate of yeah. the different things that they might be asking. So yeah, yeah, yep. And yeah, also, also try not to take it personally. <laughs> absolutely. Um, we'll also hear for the first part of this conversation is Pastor Charles Yu. Uh, he's going to slip out a little bit later, um, but he'll jump in at the beginning. He's kind of a busy guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's shaking his head. So <laughs> we're, we're grateful to have uh, a few minutes with you anyway. Um, before we go into any of the questions, just all of this will make more sense and you'll get a context for just... Gosh, our posture towards some of these hard things that we're going to be talking about. If you haven't listened to Matt's message yet, go back and listen to that from this past Sunday. Um, I think that'll be a helpful primer even before you jump into this. So maybe press pause, go listen to that, and then come back to that. It might make some of these questions make more sense. Uh, but definitely check that out if you haven't listened yet. Um, but all right, let's just jump in right away with um, the questions that you guys had. Thanks for sending those in. Um, here's the first one. It says, according to the Bible, are there legitimate grounds for divorce? Uh, Matt, you want to jump in on that one? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, whoever it is that asked it. And I, I am sure that there are lots of people who would be asking that question. And Chris, I'm glad that you said what you did from the beginning, because the thing that we want to remember anytime we're answering these questions, these are questions that are connected to the lives of people. And there's stories that people are going through that would cause them to ask these type of questions. And so um, the difficult thing anytime that you're doing a Q&A is you're giving general answers yeah. to specific questions without knowing the scenario and circumstances. So I'm just <laughs> kind of like what I did for my sermon. I'm asking for grace right mm -hmm. now uh, with any of the answers that any of us right now, any of the four of us are giving on subjects like this. But when it comes to marriage and divorce and the grounds for, or when it comes to grounds for divorce, um, I would say, yes, there are biblical grounds for divorce and, and churches and, and, and denominations are going to disagree to some level on these different subjects, not just denomination to denomination, but literally like church to church. Uh, and so when I'm talking about this, I'm giving you an idea of, of how Blackhawk Church as an evangelical free church lands but specifically how Blackhawk Church lands and, and, and what we believe is a church. And we would believe that that um, there would be grounds, one, on the um, uh, any time that there is adultery, um, as well as if there is abandonment, or we would say uh, if there is abuse, that those three areas uh, would be places where the conversation can definitely happen on there being grounds 
for divorce. But again, within that, so much has to do with the context of what's really taking place because every relationship is different. So Charles, I don't know if there's anything you'd want to add. Feel free to jump in. Yeah, I think what you're saying about every situation being different is so critical. I mean, there's going to be some situations where you just go, oh, yeah, I mean, divorce needs to happen. Separation needs to happen. Things are gone in in a certain way. You just go, wow. Um, But one of the things I, I, I... I think we're all worried about is when we start answering questions in certain ways, um, we need to address the underlying heart posture. And I think this is where, um, Matt, your talk is so critical, right? You're, you're painting the ideal picture. Mm-hmm. And the ideal picture is what we, one we should be moving toward. It's not, hey, let me see if I can justify my divorce. I want to get out. How do I justify it? Yes. I think that's the posture that, I mean, look, some situation. I don't want to say blanket, hey, that's always wrong. No, but a lot of times... Things are going. To, things are tough, or you fall in love with somebody else, and you're like, I just want to find a way out. And I think that's the posture that, that Christ followers. We kind of go, no, 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 no. You move toward what's good. Mm-hmm. So if your marriage is not where you want it to be, and you want to get out, maybe you should ask the question: Hey, what can we do to get our marriage to where we want it to be? Mm. What can we do to to image God? Move in that direction. And so it is a matter of just you know either. Finding a justification for divorce or avoiding divorce at all costs. Both of those are kind of like living lives on the boundary. Mm. No, no, no. Move to the center. Move mm. to imaging God. And I think that um, that's, that's, the, that's the direction we should be headed. Yeah. And the reality is of, of moving, striving to move towards imaging God, regardless if we're, we're talking about just our, our own lives or our, our, our lives with our spouse or even in my workplace. I mean, that's hard. It's difficult. There's nothing easy about it. When I look back at at the, oh, how many years did I say I was, was it 28? Is that what I said? I think that's what I said. Now, August, I'm in trouble now. Rachel, I'm so sorry. I know. Cut that part out. Cut it out. August 20th, 1994. I remember that. Um, But I mean, in that time, I mean, Rachel and I would tell you, marriage is just hard. Yeah. And the idea of, you know, I mean, you go into it thinking we're never going to think about divorce. And I just can't mm-hmm. say that that's true. You know, I mean, is was divorce ever on the table? N- no. But the question of why did I marry you? Yeah, that definitely has come to mind. Yeah. And the only way that we could move towards it is figuring out what does it look like for both of us to individually look at how do I image Jesus in the way that we move through these struggles where we don't see eye to eye Mm. and don't really like each other and have to be real Mm. open and honest with our flaws and struggles and weaknesses and all that type of stuff. Am I getting too open and honest here? I don't know. I'm looking at you all (laughs) like, it's okay. I I love what you're saying there, Matt, because I think the problem is that we have this romantic vision of what marriage is supposed to be like. And the moment it doesn't fit that romantic vision, we think, oh, something's wrong. No, you're not. nothing's wrong. You just got past that kind of the immature level phase of, of marriage. And now you got to the mature part, which is hard work. And you, and you get to know each other. I mean, I mean, Serena and I, we're still like, even now going, oh, okay. So we're, we're doing 30 this June. So I got that one right. Just gonna oh, check, 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 check. Check, check, check. Good 19, job, you guys. June We're 19, good at 2023. <laughs> it's coming up. Okay. So, and and I would say even now we're like, oh, so that's why I married you. Mm. Like we're learning. Mm. I'm learning more about myself. Yep. Learning about how I was raised. 
when it's happening, you don't really know. Mm-hmm. And then as you learn, you're learning more about yourself. And Serena's like, oh, that's why I married you. And when that oh is not necessarily a good thing, it's usually like, oh, I really messed up that way. That's why I married you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the other person. It's me. I'm the problem. That's exactly yeah, it. I married you to, to deal with that particular dysfunctionality that I have. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. so in the midst of all that, realizing that the way we got connected is out of our brokenness yep. and that we're broken people living with each other. Uh, and we're just, hey, commitment to, I keep wanting to get to know you more and I'm going to find ways to like mm-hmm. and love what I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the commitment. And and that's hard work. That's hard work. And the hard thing is this, is that then she's going to go and change on me. Mm-hmm. I used to like you 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but you've become a different person. Shoot. Yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah, and that's I have really to true. like, okay, who is this new person I'm married to? Mm-hmm. And how do I find ways to love and cherish mm-hmm. the person next to me? That's that's what we're all trying to do here. Man. So yeah. good. Yeah. I remember um, the biggest fight that Rachel and I ever had was the night before Easter one year. And it was here in Madison. I'm mm-hmm. working as a pastor. Our girls are young and there had been stuff bubbling under the surface for like months. Like, you know how you get to that place? It's like there's stuff bubbling underneath and you mm-hmm. and nothing's being brought up, but you know, it's all down here and you can feel it like kind of squeaking through at different moments. And we, um, <laughs> Easter night, girls are in bed. Mm-hmm. We're filling Easter eggs for their Easter egg hunt. And things blow up between the two of us. And we basically are saying, I remember, and Rachel's given me permission to share this story in other situations. And we basically were saying to each other, yeah, I wish I would have married somebody different than you. Mm -hmm. Like we're saying that out loud to each other. It got Mm -hmm. ugly. And the next morning I have to go and be a pastor on Easter Sunday. Mm. And people are saying, you know, everybody's, hey, Christ is risen. I'm like, mm. <laughs> you know, like it, yeah, it was right. not a good morning. Yeah, totally. And it took, it took weeks mm. to work through that mm. stuff. I mean, just to where we could actually talk about it. I mean, we went to a counselor, we had another mentor couple, and then a couple who we're just really close friends with who were working through all of that. And it took a long time, but it was just one of these places where you just realized, yeah, I'm broken and you're broken. And, and there are things that we are not going to like each other. And, and But the goal is that we might strive to become more and more like Jesus in the process, forgiving and accepting and striving to be who the other person needs. And, and here's the thing hey, about imaging God. This is the thing. Why does God want to use marriage to image him? It's oh, not no just the love and the happy and joy part. It's the struggling to overcome part. Yeah. Jesus had to struggle and overcome to be able to live among humanity, overcome the, the brokenness and, and, and the sinfulness he sees in the world and says, I'm going to die for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fight for you. And I'm going to overcome everything to pull you into myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, a marriage that struggles images mm-hmm. that aspect of Jesus' relationship with the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm saying, let's just make this clear. Imaging God isn't purely about the joyful part. Mm-hmm. It isn't about the fun part, the ecstasy part, the falling in love mm-hmm. part. It's the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah, Matt, I'm glad you shared that illustration because I do wonder about people who are listening, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're in that spot, right? Maybe last night they did have, you know, yeah. that fight and they're thinking, where do I, where do I go from here? Like, yeah. can I actually 
tell somebody about yeah. this? Who do I tell? Yeah. How how do I image God? Yeah. Like, got it. That's what I'm supposed to do. But so what do you, and, and I, think, I think my question is, what do you do when one person is ready to do that and wants to move towards that and the other person isn't? Yeah. Um, I think we had kind of a question along those lines, mm. right? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I mean, I think one of the reasons I think for Charles and I, either of us to bring this stuff up is like, I think that people sometimes picture that like pastors, that this doesn't ever happen to them. You know, like they like they have it all together. Their marriages are perfect. All that's eh, bogus. Um, and uh, and and I think that for a lot of us, when we come through the doors with the church, we think that everyone else has it all together, and we're the one broke set of broken people. And that's just not true. Um, and I know that for Rachel and I, when we went through it, we um, we both needed places to be able to to talk individually with someone about the things that we were going through. But the, but, but for both of us, the people who we went to, we knew were, they were in our marriage's corner, mm -hmm. not just the other person's corner. So it wasn't just coming, yeah. some, me going to someone who I knew was going to agree with me and say, oh, Rachel, I can't mm -hmm. believe. Mm -hmm. It was someone I knew who was in Rachel's corner as much mm -hmm. as my corner and wanted the best for so our good. marriage. So good. And that was huge. That's huge. Um, and so that would be some of my first suggestion. And for Rachel and I, you know, we have the things that we have needed, we have needed other couples who are in our stage of life that we could shoot straight with who we knew had our marriages back. We also have had a mentor couple who are farther down the line. You know, they're, I don't know, maybe 15 years in front of us who um, they've been through more. And so pretty much anytime we're coming to them with something, they're like, oh yeah, I've been there, done that, <laughs> let me tell you, and um, and can move us towards Jesus together. And then we need a professional counselor. Mm -hmm. And we have done that on a semi-regular basis. So yeah, I'm a pastor. I'm married. My wife and I go to counseling. Mm -hmm. And um, th and that has been incredibly helpful to have someone who moves us that direction. So mm -hmm. I think those have been the main things. So we haven't put all the weight on one situation, but I think that we needed to have those individual conversations before we could come together. Mm -hmm. And in actuality, it, for, for Rachel and I, it, it, was, it was another couple where I was meeting with the husband, she was meeting with the wife, and then finally we all came together, yeah. you know, and that worked well for us. And I think what, you're, what, you know, what I'm hearing is, if we wanna tell people, hey, how you follow Jesus in your marriage, you want to really as much as you can take marriage take divorce off the yes. off the table you need the community mm -hmm. <laughs> you need to be part of a community because yeah. to do this on your own it's just rough yeah yeah it may not be doable i mean there's a reason why all you know all the, all the jesus disciples are going no divorce are you serious yeah yeah well without community good luck yeah, yeah. a yeah. faith community too right because there's so many people in our lives that might not share the same kind of values and goals as we do and they'll be like yeah you should definitely go forward with divorce like get rid of that guy or get rid of that yeah. so there's all sorts of voices speaking that into our lives yes, but we need people matt like your friends and your mentors yeah. and that kind of thing that are in our corner jesus followers alongside of us and, and want the best for both of us in our marriages for most of us it would not be difficult to find somebody who we are friends with who would agree with us in every point oh for right. sure yeah. and so it's important to be able to find those people who are actually going to hold up a mirror and show you your faults as well mm -hmm. and that takes a different type of a friend yep. so yeah. But that's the hope. Yeah. Like the reality is when we talk about Christian community, yeah. which is the thing we were talking about in the sermon, this idea of this community that we are moving together towards a day where none of us are married. And at the same time, all of us are married together 
to Jesus in a relationship that's the yeah. most fulfilling thing. That's what we should be able to find within that community on this yeah. side of eternity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the reality of what we're moving towards. And I know for, for some people, you know, they might wonder, well, how do I, how do I find those mentors? How do I find those people? And I would just say like, if you are in a Sunday morning service and you just, you kind of, you're, you're with, you know, you kind of see a couple, you know, you, you begun to maybe have some conversations. It's totally okay. Just to say, Hey, would you like want to come over to our house for dinner? Right. Get to know them. Like exactly. figure out, is that a couple that you think um, you mm -hmm. connect with? I mean, I think it's just, I think so many times we're afraid of, of taking that initiative to begin yep. to have, to, to reach out to somebody 10, 15 years down the road and just saying, Hey, do you want to connect? You know, love yep. to get to know you. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be curious Matt, how you, this, this mentor couple that you have, how did that relationship start? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a great question. That's a, that's a really great question. I um, And you're making some great points. I, I think that for a lot of people, like when they think of a mentor, regardless if it's individual or like as a couple, like everyone's looking for Yoda, mm -hmm. like looking for that one person who's going to be able to help you in every area of your life. And the reality is like, yeah, Yoda doesn't exist. <laughs> and so- Yoda's make-believe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so sorry to any of you Star Wars people who are buying the story that deeply where it actually happened. But Yoda doesn't exist. And so, so you have to look at it and go, who are the people that you can ask into particular areas of your life for particular seasons? And how do you even begin to open those yeah. doors? And so for us, and we've done that with people, it's, it's really just getting to know people over mm -hmm. time. But I know for me, it, it starts oftentimes with like a cup of coffee or a meal mm -hmm. or something like that, just to get to know them and then take a next step mm -hmm. from there. So it is just like what you were saying. It's the couple that you see at church that you're like, oh, they seem... They seem kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I think I'd like to talk with them and just taking a step mm -hmm. to see if something like that would be, op if it would be a good fit. And then from there, inviting them into one scenario with one conversation, with one situation that you're going through. And then if that's going well, then maybe you're stepping into something to say, hey, could we do this more on a regular basis? Mm -hmm. And the reality is for a lot of those, for us, those people just became friends mm -hmm. where it wasn't like, hey, we're getting together once every three weeks to talk about our marriage. It's now we're just doing life. Mm -hmm. But then in the process of life where there are those crisis moments where you have someone you can call yeah. and you know that they're going to step in and be able to give you good advice, you know, walk you through it, pray with you and and be in your corner, mm -hmm. you know, so, so yeah. That's what I love about the multi-generational church, right? That we have people here from all walks and stages of life and we need each other. Like it's how it's designed, right? We need each other Absolutely. Um, in order to follow Jesus. Like yeah. This, so. I think that for us, when Rachel and I have gone through it, like to have other couples who we know that we could be open and honest with, who we knew were going to not not judge us but just and, and just listen, but hearing from those people, yeah, I've been there. Mm -hmm. There was something about that that just like lifted this fog for Rachel and I and caused us to feel like less bound because a lot of times in those situations, you feel like you're the only one and you're not sure if people are really going to be able to relate with what it is that you're saying to, you know, what you're saying to them. Mm -hmm. And so to have people go, oh, totally, we've been there. Yep. I totally get it. Let me tell you the story, this and this and this. And you remember that? Oh, I totally remember that. You know, and they get into their thing and all of a sudden Rachel and I look at each other and we're like, oh, okay, we're normal. We're good. We're, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get through this. We'll but get through this. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then for mentor couples to say, oh, I totally remember 
being in that place. And then for them to, again, just start asking you questions. Mm -hmm. It's like you get tangled in those moments mm -hmm. and you just need people to be able to figure out how to untangle. Mm -hmm. And that takes time, but, uh, but there's something about it that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Okay, what was the original question again? Where did we start with all of this? <laughs> yeah, Sorry. this is also helpful, you guys. Yeah, the original question, which I think we answered um, in the beginning was, are there biblical grounds for divorce? That's what we oh, started yeah, off yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. That that helps me because I think that um, my, some of the reason why I was going this direction is because I think it's so important if you are having questions on are the things that I am going through in my relationship biblical grounds for divorce? then it is worth it to have that conversation with a trusted believer who has your marriages back. And that doesn't mean that you're going to stay in the marriage. The reason, just the reason why I bring that up is because I know I've had conversations with different people who have been in abuse situations and been blind to it yeah. and not wanted to bring anything up out of guilt or shame or embarrassment and I was so glad that they finally brought those things up so as a church, we could help. Because oftentimes, like in situations like this, you're so in the weeds that you can't even see what's real. And I'm just saying, if you're in a situation like that where you're, you're, you're asking those questions, it is worth it to bring it up with a trusted believer. It is worth it to bring it up with a with a counselor and to be able to move towards some of those things, to be able to get above the weeds and to be able to see more clearly on what's really going on. That's good. So Matt, I, you know, I think about our congregation and I know that um, we have such a strong divorce care ministry, right? Yeah. With people, we have people who um, have walked through the divorce for a variety of reasons yes. um, over the course of their lifetime. And so I would be curious um, if you would have any kind of pastoral guidance for those of us who love people who are going, who are walking through divorce, right? They, they have decided this is what they're doing. Um, how do we care well for, for those people? Um, and also what does that look like post-divorce? How do we care for people kind of post-divorce well? Yeah, those are great questions. I, um, I think that how do we care for people well? I think that one, don't feel like you have to be the person with all the answers. You know, I think that sometimes like when someone comes, we feel this pressure to feel like we have to have all the answers and therefore we end up saying more than we need to or like flip side saying less than we need to. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, and so to be able to just enter into it with people and love people well in the process to just be asking the question, what can I do to help right now? Um, even in those moments, I find sometimes that when I ask the question, what is it, what is it you need right now? Do you want, do you want my advice? Do you want feedback? Do you just need me to listen? What's going to be most helpful to you in this moment? And I think the goal for any of us, if you're going through that situation, I think the thing that you should be looking for um, is for someone to be able to help you get clarity of mind, but also for you to like to be willing to ask a person that you're talking to to hold up a mirror. Mm -hmm. Because um, holding up a mirror is not easy. And, and I find I've, there have definitely been times where I have held up a mirror and I wasn't invited to hold up a mirror. And that does not go over well when I end up holding up a mirror in those moments. Um, 
but at the and so when 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 you invite someone into that place, when I'm looking for that for me, when I've been a jerk to Rachel and and I'm coming and talking to somebody, I I will ask someone I like I'm giving you permission to hold up a mirror right now and I'm just preparing myself. Mm-hmm. And and then I just need to listen and and take it. And so I think that sometimes when we're looking to help someone, looking for clarity of what it is that they're looking for in that moment and trying to move them towards Jesus, helping them to see that you're like you're in the you're you're wanting to help their marriage. But yeah. within that you're wanting to help them. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I feel like the more that we can listen and care for each other in the process, um, again, it, it's like, it's like, I picture like a balloon that's getting too, too blown up to where it feels like it's just going to break. If you can let some of the air out of that balloon and give it room mm-hmm. for margin and to breathe, it just mm-hmm. changes things. Yeah. All right, you guys, all really good questions. Um, I'm going to move us along so we can talk uh, a little bit about just the topic of singleness. Matt, you talked about that yep. on Sunday. And again, um, something we only had a few minutes to get into Sunday morning, but um, one of the questions that came in was like, if if singles are so important to the church and we've um, even you were talking about how like oftentimes single people in our midst are people that are often kind of neglected. Blackhawk Church is about 50 percent single people, 50 percent, 50 percent married, even just in real time about five minutes ago. Thank you for submitting your questions. We got one about like how widows fit into the church, because yeah. in almost every so single marriage, complex. there ends up being one person who's who's uh, widowed. Right. And so how do we love them and care for them? How do they fit into the body of Christ? So uh, the question was, if all if if that's true, if those things are important and important to Blackhawk Church, why don't we have a dedicated singles pastor? Um, and I know, Matt, you were wanting to kind of speak to that for a moment. Um, what would you tell us about that? Yeah, that's the, well, first off, all of these are such good questions. Um, and it is true. I mean, when you think about our church, 50 percent married roughly, I mean, roughly, I don't know the exact numbers, sure. but um, when you look at, and, and the way that we're getting those numbers is really when we start looking at people who are uh, considered adults in our culture, you know, so you're looking at pretty much like the college freshmen on, and we have a lot of college students and 20 somethings within our church. And so you end up taking that number, you get somewhere roughly around, you know, 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but with that, like when, <laughs> like when you think of the world, everyone falls into the categories of they are married or they are single, you know, but then within the world of single, there are so many different types of singles within the ages and stages of life that they're in. Yeah. And so again, the, the, the answers that we can give to this in a podcast off of questions that end up coming across general rather than dealing with specifics can get really difficult right. because there could be a difference between a person who is 18 and single in comparison to a person who is in their 40s and divorced in comparison to someone who is in their, you know, and I, and again, I'm thinking generalities right now, but I mean, mm-hmm. 60s and, and widowed, mm-hmm. um, different needs. Mm-hmm. And yet the, here's, so Okay, let me, sorry, I'm all over the map right now, but just love me for who I am. (laughs) (coughs) We do, we do. Thanks, I appreciate that. And of course, I'm coughing at that moment. (laughs) I, um, so when, okay, when you think about the idea of, okay, the goal of the church is we just need a singles pastor. 
Like, and they're going to be able to deal with the issue. And that actually was something, if you look back kind of in the recent history of contemporary churches, lots of churches used to have a singles pastor. And that was kind of like a position you would hear people in. And then churches began to realize actually that as they would hire a singles pastor, and this isn't every church. I mean, I know there's still churches out there that have singles pastors, but but what they found was that as soon as they hired one, then the rest of the church kind of, it, it, it went off of their radar because we've got the singles person now to deal with everything that all single people need. So no one else really has to think about it. So it actually, in many churches, ended up doing more damage than it did good because the goal would be that for any of these areas of ministry that they are that they are thinking of, how do we do ministry well for all kinds of different people within the church? So it's not like we're going to take the singles and and silo them over in one particular area. And there were actually all kinds of complaints in the way that that happened within churches. So culture changes, you know, and this was a way that the church world changed. But <laughs> no one would say that the churches in general are doing it great right now either. And, uh, and single people easily can be people who, uh, end up feeling isolated, alone, um, not really viewed when it comes to the picture of church. And that's something that we need to own and we need to move towards and figure out creative ways to be able to do that. But I think that the overarching picture, okay, mm -hmm. like when I think of what we're moving towards, that, that the ultimate is not marriage. The ultimate is our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with one another. And, and, and I think that, that, that some of it is when it comes to single people, they don't, most people, regardless if they're single or married or whatever, they don't just want to be stereotyped into whatever, uh, you know, box they fit in. They want to be known for who they are. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of a person who comes to Blackhawk and is single and they're widowed and they have a story that goes with that. The goal, I think, for that person is to be known for who they are mm -hmm. and, to, and, and to be known by what they have been through in their story in order that they would be loved that way rather than just boxed in a particular place and that's the way that they're seen. Mm -hmm. And so we create a boxed ministry for people who have gone through whatever it is. Right. And, and so our hope in, as a church, and is it a hard thing to move towards? Absolutely. But is to be this like multicultural mm -hmm multi-ethnic, um, you know, diverse um, people of different ages and stages of life, multi-generational church of people who can love each other individually for our own stories and be known that way. Yeah. Um, I think that's what anybody yeah. really wants, but yeah. getting there is really difficult. Yeah. I think I think for me, I totally agree with you, Matt. I feel I mean, like I, as, like I know you and I, Tiff, have had lots of conversations, <laughs> so conversations on this subject. about this, and I think right is a huge heart of mine. Um, I think my dream, even if we can get like a little bit granular, right, that community groups where people who are married and single would be able to come together and have fellowship, and that would be a space where they could connect mm -hmm. and they would feel they begin to feel known. Their stories would begin to be told, yeah. right? Those relationships would begin to be formed. I think about Jake and I were just talking about this. We used to be like when we were early in marriage, man, we had such a huge heart for this. We would be inviting, we had people, single people live in our home with us when we were first married. Like 
we got married and we had people live in our home with us, right? Yeah. And that was so fun mm-hmm. and life-giving for us. And we thought, man, we want to do this forever. Well, four kids later, we're not doing that anymore. But <laughs> but, but still, like, well, we're, we're talking about like, <laughs> Totally. Right, little full. You got a dog. Um, we have a dog. Right, right, right. But I, but I, my dream, right? But I'm like, man, but we're not exempt from it anymore. Like, we're not exempt from that call. That's Just exactly because it. we are married and have four kids actually is a little bit harder for us. But God's like... That's still the call in our lives. So it's like, okay, like how do we invite people? How do we look? How do we see people in our church sitting next to us in the pews, right? Like being in the courses that we're taking, how do we identify them to say, hey, man, would you like to come over for dinner tonight? Hey, just come over and hang out with us. Do your home, you know, if you're a student, do your homework over here. You don't ever have to knock. Just come on in, you know? Okay, who needs somebody for Thanksgiving, right? Is our it's not the single person's job. It's like my job as a married person mm-hmm. to be able to see people and to reach out to them and to invite people in. And so I think, man, if our whole church were doing that, right? If all of us are like, hey, I'm going to take this call seriously, that I'm supposed to be community with people who, right, are different than me. And maybe that means they're single. Could you imagine if all of us are doing that? Yeah. I don't think we'd have a problem anymore, right? I think people um, people who are find, find themselves single um, would hopefully feel known and loved. And the reality is all of us are going to, most of us are, we're going to be single again. Right. Yes. Like, um, and so I think marriage is just, a, is it's a, it's a portion for some people's lives, but all of us spend a lot of our time single. And yeah. I think it's really important that we, yeah, there, strive yeah. to become that as a community. There have been, I mean, even just in the past month, some beautiful examples of that type of community too, that we're trying to establish around here. I mean, you're, Tiff, you and your team have done a great job of moving us toward a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, Blackhawk Bible study, right? Is how many people are studying the Bible together? Over 300. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which is men, women, married, single, like all sorts of walks of life. And so it's this beautiful picture of like people coming together around the scriptures to be in community with each other and study together. And there's obviously community groups and other sorts of places where that's happening. So Mm -hmm. that's the sort of thing that that we as a church yeah. are trying to move toward. Totally. And- I mean, even beautiful stories of people who are single needing, you know, needing a home for a while. Mm. And so married couples opening their homes and saying, hey, like, come live with us mm-hmm. rent free for a few months. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I mean, that's just like, right. Somebody has a need and a se- is a season of time and people are opening up their homes mm. to be able to, I'm mm. like, that's another, just mm. man, yeah. easy, yeah. easy and hard, easy and hard both. But, um, there's so many opportunities to do that yeah. right in front of us. I have, yeah, sorry, I cut you off. No, you're good. No, no. I have I have two guys that uh, are two of my closest friends that I spend time with on a regular basis. Um, and it's interesting because everyone used to live here in Madison, and now both of these guys have moved away. And we're kind of, I mean, we kind of do the accountability thing with each other. We're the people who, I mean, if life gets really difficult, it's the first phone call that I'm making or we're setting up time, FaceTime or Zoom, regardless if it's last minute or it's something that's structured. Um, And one of the guys is 10 years younger than me, married with uh, three kids. And the other one is a couple years older than me and single. Mm. And the relationship that we have it's like none of us ever, th- like we've gotten to know each other to such a deep level that we don't think about it. And yet there are those moments where we're having a conversation and all of a sudden can get awkward somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the love that we have for each other and for Jesus mm-hmm. sort of like 
moves us through that. And the things that we learn from each other in the process of it are priceless. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and there's something great about it. So good. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. There's so much that we get we can learn from one another. Oh, man. Um, yeah. I yeah. tell you, my one friend who's single, I mean, the way that he he's spoken into my life spiritually more than most. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could cry talking about this. I He's spoken into my life. He's called me out on different... He's been a mirror holder for me at different times and spoken into my life in some deep ways that has transformed who I am. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just grateful. So... All that to say, too, we also recognize, and we've had really meaningful conversations with some of you that like, yes, there are things as you're experiencing singleness right now that like maybe as a church, we need to move toward mm-hmm. and 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 have people um, that are in a similar stage to be able to experience and walk through mm-hmm. together and that kind of thing. In the same way that we, you know, maybe there's married groups that do that kind of thing and talk about some of the challenges unique to being married. So we hear that, we get that. Um, so there will be seasons, there will be sorts of groups and sorts of things like that, right? Where, um, yeah, we want to move toward those things. We want to be able to place people in community together that might uh, benefit from being, um, in proximity to each other and that kind of thing. Those are the sorts of things that we're trying to grow in as a church and learn about and and that kind of thing. So we're not doing it perfectly. Um, but we also hear that, yeah, there's unique things to being single and we want to love and care for you in the midst of that as well. It's good. It's really good. All right, you guys. Well, we are are at about the 40-minute mark, so uh, there were tons of questions that we didn't get to. Again, thank you so much for sending those in. You um, can email Charles U. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if your questions weren't answered. Um, yeah, no, in all seriousness, we know that it takes, yeah, some vulnerability, even just to send an email and to um, attach a name to that. No one sent in, uh, like, emails from burner accounts or anything like that. So, um, yeah, we love you guys, and, and thank you so much. So much for engaging in this way and, and asking really good, really genuine questions. Um, if there's something that you're just wrestling through and struggling through, um, again, because all of these questions come from a place and a story and a situation in your life that we just don't we don't have context for as we have this conversation. Um, but if there's um, a conversation that you want to have with any of us that have been talking um, or you have a, a different connection on staff or something like that, reach out. We want to we'll grab coffee with you. We'll grab lunch. We want to be able to have these types of conversations and um, and hear your story and, and hear what it is that you're wrestling through. Um, so with that, let's call it uh, call it an episode for this week. We will be back um, next Thursday, as we always are, with the next episode as we dig more into, I don't remember what the next topic is, What's the next <laughs> but it's going to be amazing. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great week, you guys. <laughs>